Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no, no less. less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show here today, whether you're doing it on cnjradio.com, home of the flagship The Wrestling House Show, as well as The Synaptic, featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative, and I mean that. So thank you, everybody, if you listen to CNJ, all the shows, and subscribing to this feed, as well as all the other feeds on iTunes, never missing a single show, and leaving a comment on the pages that you love. Thank you. That was a little different this week, but hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the normal frame of mind here today. I'm, it's a packed house, and uh, we've got, got people drinking on the air here, hey, which isn't me, by the, the way, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all straight edge, nerdy guy, <laughs> but... uh. Yes, you are hearing Logan's laugh. There you go. Say hi, Logan. Hey there. Well, the reason I wanted to have you on here, and the drinking ties in pretty well, because we're going to talk, it's the 30th anniversary of the Us Festival. Right a month or two out. We're a couple of months out, but I I, I didn't initially plan on doing it, but I was like, you know what, we could probably at least get a good two-parter out of this, and that's what we've come up with here today. So we're going to talk about bands that played on the Us Festival 1983, because apparently there was one in 1982. 82. Which had a good bill. Great bill. So the bill for 1982, Logan, go ahead. Okay. That was in Labor Day weekend, 1982. Correct. Gang of Four, The Ramones, English Beat, Oingo Boingo, The B-52s, Talking Heads, The Police. That was the first day. <laughs> and I I would almost stop going at that point. Yeah, because then the, the, the dead kick the other, off day two. Well, the, the, other, the other two days were... Yeah. Fleetwood Mac and Great Kind of, kind of going stuff. back and forth. Cool. But Dave so, Edmonds. Dave Edmonds, great. Dave Edmonds. Midst cocaine, Eddie Money. Yeah. Uh, Santana. I, Santana. Yeah. The who Cars. Is, who is the big callback to Woodstock? Right, know, right, because, right. Yeah, Don't yeah. do the brown acid. Yeah, exactly. Get Woodstock Cars. Santana. Yeah. Uh, the Cars, The Kinks, Pat Benatar. Nice. Uh, Tom Petty. Nice. Which, That's a solid day. Is it? Is that like damn the torpedoes? Is Eighty-three. That, this would have that, been actually between Long After Dark and almost into. Southern I knew Accents. I could count on. I knew I could count on that. I knew yeah. I could count on that. Uh, I've turned into the yuck monkey. Now. The the Sunday was breakfast. Breakfast with the Grateful Dead. Cool. So that means uh, codeine in your pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> or don't do the brown acid again. Yeah, once again. Uh, Jerry Jeff Walker, who I guess was kind of big enough at the time. Wow, Jerry Jeff Walker. Jimmy Jimmy Buffett. Oh. Jackson Brown. Oh. Ugh. Oh, and and wait. Although although eighty two Jackson Brown, you get Lawyers in Love, and that's my one pass. Do you? I love Lawyers in Love. Was that eighty two? Yeah. Okay. That's an early. And radio then Fleetwood song. Mac, which, in all respect, yes. Yeah. Mirage Fleetwood Mac, a little Hold Me action, right? Maybe. Yep. Hold Me. Okay. Moving on. Uh, hey, look, there was a uh, Us Festival in 1983. Was there? And it happened. In the, that Apple guy. It had all the tents that was, nobody went into, except for like Rick Ocasek, apparently, uh, that had all the new technology to look at of uh, home computers and the new versions of Pong and Pac-Man. That somebody you did some home. homework over here. And that's what was, when you see those tents in the footage on the side, you know? You can't see out the back because you can't. I thought see, those were beer tents. You can't see the end of the crowd, but those are, most of them are not beer tents. They're actually technology tents, and they're pimping some of the new software so and technology. So Lollapalooza, nineteen eighty three. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, but without like the uh, 
drug paraphernalia and well, hemp bracelets. Not officially. It, okay. That's all through the crowd, though, I'm sure. I mean, as many drug overdoses as, <laughs> as on record, they had Grateful quite a few. Grateful Dead. <laughs> Don't go back to the Grateful Dead. No, no, no. You're but right. We the, had... The Memorial Day weekend at 1983. Do you know why it was called the Us Festival? Oh, no. Uh, that was also Steve, as uh, he was apparently one of those people who lived through the 70s and didn't know how cool living in the 70s was at the time. And what is the 70s called? The me decade. Oh, so the us. 80s is oh, us. us. So that's why he did it that way. Okay. Only two reported deaths. Yeah. And with 670,000 in attendance for, I guess, I'm guessing, all three days, which yeah. is, I mean, that's pretty stout. And as it's well known, the oh, highest wait, Oh, I'm sorry, day fourth was... day. There were four days. Yes. It lost $12 million, yes. though. Well, because it basically became a free festival. That's fine. That's fine. And I think the ticket prices for all three days, at least the initial, those initial three days, it was, was probably about $20. 30, it was like 37 bucks, which was oh a lot that, at that time. And <laughs> 37 Hey. <laughs> we didn't get to see Alabama, though. I don't think that was included with the ticket price. Wait, was that... Because Alabama played on Country oh, Day. Oh, they did play Country Day. Give me a little mountain wow. music. There's mountains right behind you, so there you go. Hell yeah. I, I love me some Alabama. Hank Williams Jr.? Oh, it, I, I know we're skipping Country that, that's Day. That's okay. We're, we're not even going to really talk about it, no, but really. I'll, I'll bring it up real quick. Ricky Skaggs. Waylon. Ricky Skaggs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Hank Williams Jr., Bo Cephas, Amy Lou Harris, and the Hot Band. Okay. I don't know what that means. Well, it's probably because it was like 110 outside. It's not the Stone Ponies. Uh, Alabama. Yes. In the early 80s Alabama. Early right? 80s Alabama. Untouchable. Alabama. Untouchable at that Alabama time. in the early 80s were like. That's pre-roll. Yeah, pre-roll yeah. on for sure. Wow. It was like 84, I think. Yeah. Damn. I know my stuff. I'm about to check out here. Uh, Waylon Jennings, uh, Riders in the Sky. Willie Nelson, and then somebody named Gerald Rayband. Sure. Did he invent the sunglasses? Uh, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be playing quite a few double shots, especially on the part two, so don't worry, folks out there. This isn't going to be a four-hour show. Uh, which part are we doing first? Uh, first part, we're going to talk about New Wave Day. Yay! Uh, no lack of respect or anything. As you know, I'm a big Divinals fan, and I just recently, a few months ago, uh, did the proper memoriam for Chrissy. Uh, Divinals were the first band on stage that day. They were new. Yeah, they were they were new to us. They had already done about three or four years in Australia, but but I mean they they were they, they were still doing like their first album. Yeah, they were yeah. they were promoting their first international release. Yeah, and great album if you if you don't have it, highly recommended. Uh, but uh, the second band on stage was a little known band at the time, putting out a record that people were scratching their heads about because it was called Shabu Shaba. They didn't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. It had a weird cover, too. Wouldn't it? Somebody holding a dachshund or something like that? So, something like it's kind that. kind of a strange... Uh, but yeah, and another Australian band who right. was pushing that, let's become a little more international. So it was, an, it was a good back-to-back for the this top of the day. and Aussies. In excess. Man, I, I tell you, I, I, I do like me some in excess. And I watched some of the footage actually today for the show. And they sounded great. What would you say, as as a fan, I know you're actually more of a fan than I am, for sure, and I know Randy over here. Randy is, too. Yeah. I was a fan. I, you know, I, I didn't hit on NXS until probably the my, my new wave period of the mid-80s. So that'd be like Listen Like Thieves type stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, probably the, the like The Swing. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember The Swing. Not that I don't recall Shibu Shabal. 
Right. Because oh, that was which, the first, but that was the first time they started getting play on the radio. Was like this time eighty three. I remember the first video that I saw from him when Michael Hutchins was crawling over a table full of food, <laughs> singing uh, "It's the One Thing," or one one thing. Right. Yeah. And and I mean, you know, at that point, videos were. That was the thing. Of, of course, you're not. I, I wasn't shocked or anything, yeah. but it was a uh, it, it was a great song, and you know they they just kept going up from there. But but I mean I didn't have Shabu Shabal right. until uh, well until Listen Like Thieves because uh, it was one of those things to where you find a record that you like, then you go back and you look at the other records that you missed. Right, exactly. And and it was it was like that. It was like that period. I mean, Treasure Trove, wasn't it? Yeah, tons of stuff. And NXS was just one of those bands. They they had a catalog, like a, a pretty good catalog of records before you might have hit on them. I, like I said, I remember seeing the One Thing video, not really clicking too much. I mean, I, I like the song, right, yeah. but, you know, they weren't Duran Duran. Right, yeah. You know, cool. as far as video darlings. Who had already started their right. massive yeah, takeover. Yeah, their, their the takeover was, was already in, in place. Why, but, why did they not play this? Uh, Duran Duran. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You're looking at 1983. Yeah. Why not book him for New Wave Day? Oh, let's see. Makes sense, right? Well, you know, is that you think it, it wasn't money because they were throwing money around left and right I, for this thing. I don't think it was money. It might have been just because scheduling? of scheduling. Because I just assume that anybody happening at this time, because right. we're talking about that, we'll talk about that later on in Metal Day right. too. But anybody who's huge and and hasn't played this, it's probably just because they were in the studio. I'm 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 thinking I mean, well and at the same time you have to and and we'll probably touch on this again later on but it was album record your album release your album tour your album yeah. and it was like that for successive years I mean yeah. you might have had yeah. and that's maybe that's a total actually... of a month off in between everything everything yeah. you know you look at bands back then they were they released an album in 80 yeah. 81, Even then. 82, 83, 84. But, but, but uh, I mean, at, at the same time, you know, w- why wouldn't you want to come to a festival and, and, and make a know. quick $250,000 for playing yeah. one show? Yeah, minimum. I think the openers got paid about a quarter mil to half, and some of that's just for like 40, 45 minutes. You know? Yeah, Randy, that's true. Go go look at the budget for this thing. That's why it lost 12, 13 mil. Cause yeah, that's why it lost 12, $12 million, man. Yeah. I think Terry Bozio, and we'll talk about missing persons here in a little right. bit. Terry Bozio said they got paid $250,000 to play that show. He goes, that's more than we made all year for that one show. Right. And it was like 45 minutes work. They weren't going to even make that in record sales. Yeah, no. But no. going back to like NXS, I mean, it, it, it was a good launching. It was a good launching pad for, for a them. guy that's promoted a few shows here and there. Yeah, yeah. that's hard. It's yeah. hard to think about, isn't it? Yeah, R- Randy's put together a bill or, or twelve in his time. Yeah, he's and, done uh, several different shows. Yeah, exactly. And, so, and yeah, he's that. If you have ten people show up, we'll give you twenty five dollars or something <laughs> like that. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so this is a potential three hundred fifty thousand. On, on one day average at the end of the day, and then you have to deal with all that. Plus, you're just like, here's my checkbook. So, back to NXS. I want to play my favorite song off Shabu Shabas, since that's what they were promoting at the time. And we're going to listen to a song I think you'll really enjoy it, especially if you've never heard it before. I think it's going to be very refreshing. Here's a song called Don't Change. Oh.
All right, that was Don't Change. Opening up the show here today on our Us Festival special in excess. And I have Randy here. We decided we're just going to alternate each time you hear a different segment. We're gonna, hello. It's going to be Randy. Or look, yes, say hello, Randy. Hello. Hello, Randy. And for those of you out there, this should be a familiar voice to you because if you're not subscribed to the Synaptic, I don't, don't know what to tell you, but you should be listening to the Synaptic. You should. Give me some love. Yes, absolutely. Give me, give me a little love. Uh, Randy was talking about NXS while we were listening to that song. So, Randy, uh, you have a little bit of an NXS history also. I Man, I'm a huge NXS fan. I saw them, uh, I guess I got to see them four times. I love that I'm hearing these phrases come out of the mouth of a guy wearing a Pantera t-shirt. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. This is what we are all about. Please listen to the Synaptic. Um, <laughs> honestly, out of the, I, I saw them four times. All four times, I have to say, probably out of the f- literally thousands of bands that I've seen in my life. That's true. They have to be in the top five best live acts ever. That's high At least. Maybe three. Maybe best three live acts ever. I'd really have to sit down and right. make a list of that. Uh, you know, the first time I saw them, my buddy Mike and I, Mike Richardson, who should be subscribed to the Synaptic also, we were uh, we went to go see him on the Listen Like Thieves tour at Will Rogers Auditorium in Fort Worth with uh, with the Del Fuegos opening, and we're excited. We're 16. It's my third concert ever. Uh, fourth, pardon me, fourth concert ever. Okay. It was the great. It was the gr- summer of the greatest concerts. Was the, the Cure was a month before, and a month before that was Depeche Mode Black Celebration. So you tell tell me, Black Celebration, standing on a beach, and Listen Like Thieves tour. All within a three-month period. Oh. It was fantastic. So, Let's I'm see. sorry, fifth concert ever. <laughs> As Logan reminded me that I saw Mike and the Mechanics the night after Depeche Mode. Wow. At the old uh, Six Flags. Regardless, we're, we're, we're excited. We're getting to the show. We get to the show early. And if you the way that Will Rogers Auditorium is set up, there's a gated area. And as we're driving past, you can yeah. see down the steps. Yeah, I've seen a couple of shows there. It's very old-school auditorium, coliseum kind of thing. Yeah. Right. And the, the gates are open. You can't see my hands, but they're they're yeah. open. And we see Michael Hutchins bounding off the bus. There's nothing between us and Michael Hutchins. So we stop. We get a parking spot really quick. But in the days before, you had to pay for parking. Mm-hmm. Bound out of the car, and we, we head down. We spent literally, like, at the most, two seconds with Michael Hutchins as right. he was getting back onto the bus. But we got to chat with... With Tim Ferriss. So the first rock star I ever met was Michael Hutchins of NXS. Pretty good. Arguably one of the greatest frontmen ever in in music. And if if you know me and you understand how much I love the band U2 on the uh, the Michael Hutchins behind the music, when you've got Bono on there talking about how great a frontman Michael Hutchins was yeah. and how much I love Bono, because yeah, regard, U2, U2 is the greatest thing ever put on the earth. Uh, I'm a huge NXS fan, and I and I greatly miss I miss Michael Hutchins, and I miss yeah. what was what was NXS. It's funny because I was just telling you that I saw the behind the music on Michael yeah. Hutchins. So he he yesterday. got thrown out of a cab and hit his head on the concrete, and then they Something. said he was never the same after that, right? Yeah, that's like what it was they were like saying. literally a lifelong concussion. Yeah, uh, because they said the people that knew him. All the people that knew him before this incident that happened like in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like 91, 92. It was probably like right after Eck. Yeah, he um, apparently was 
not acting like enough of a model citizen to where the cab driver was throwing him out of the cab, is what I understand. And then when right. he gets thrown out, literally thrown out into the street, he hits his head, like dings it on the curb, and uh, they said that this switch just went off and he was never the same person after that. I wonder if that's why that they ended up naming the record Switch Ooh. towards the end. Wow. Mm. Anyway, let's move on. A lot of in excess. It's excessive. In excess. Well, excessive. Uh, oh. The Punisher, Chris Logan. But <laughs> Are we so, still on New Wave Day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh speaking of excessive, I have to tie it into that somehow, but uh, a band that was massively excessive on stage and on wax is a band called Oingo Boingo. And they played after Wall of Voodoo. Which uh, the reason we're not playing any Wall of Voodoo is because of the two songs I have by them, the only one that's worth listening to is the one y'all know, Mexican Radio. But yeah, that's this is Stan Ridgeway's last appearance with Wall of Voodoo, so there's a fun fact for you. And uh, Why would you go on without Stan Ridgeway? I guess they decided to. They had that how big you, hit, man. They had Mexican radio happen. How are you going to... I mean, to me, the selling point of that song is the unique vocal style of Stan, Stan Ridgeway. Ridgeway. I understand. Maybe I can kind of do it a little bit. I did it pretty good at karaoke one time. So, I, mean, I figured maybe well, just yeah. anybody can go in there and do it, right? I don't know. It's all money, right? I'm moving on. Oingo Boingo. Oingo the, Boingo. The artist formerly known as the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. I met Danny Elfman once. Oh, nice. How was he? Was he? He was a jackass. <laughs> so was Steve Bartek. Oh, that's a shame. Yep. They do seem a little... I've got, uh, I've got a pretty good story behind that, but... You want to tell it? You want to get it out there? Oh, sure. Why not? Uh, yeah, because everybody's intrigued now. I'm they, played, they played the Arcadia Theater in 90. Uh, the funny thing is that a bunch of us were getting Sinead O'Connor tickets. <laughs> Sinead O'Connor tickets were going on sale the same day... Boingo Boingo tickets went on sale. Okay. Our friends that uh, a couple of a couple of us couldn't go to buy tickets. We had to work. And our friends all went. They bought the Sinead O'Connor tickets, and they got our Sinead O'Connor tickets, but they also got themselves Oingo Boingo tickets. They got sixth-row seats at the Arcadia Theater. Wow. So my friend Brandon and I were like, you know what? We'll just buy some standing room tickets when we get to the show. And we get to the box office at the Arcadia Theater, which... If you've listened to the Synaptic Radio, you know I, I love the Arcadia Theater. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the greatest venues ever in Dallas. You said it was right up there with the Bronco Bowl. It's right up there with the Bronco Bowl. It was, I saw a lot of great shows there, including Pantera, who I'm pimping today on my shirt. Um, we get up there and we ask, okay, we just need a couple of standing room tickets. And the girl looks at us and she goes, she goes okay, well, I've got a couple of standing room tickets, or I have these two front row seats which would you rather have the front row seats there's a little catch to it because yes of course we picked the front row seats and we enjoyed as our friends who had all walked in and had all been jerks about walking in that they were going on into the show and we were buying our tickets and that they had sixth row well when we got to walk down past them and show them we had row one yeah Uh, It it ended up being that there were a couple of seats actually at the Arcadia Theater that were broken on the front row. These were the two tickets that we were sold. Ah. Yeah, because we were in the standing row. And you're not going to be a dick in the front row and sit down at all, ever, if you're in the front row. Right. At the Arcadia, if you didn't want to get in the pit, you stood stood behind the front row, you stood in the second row, and you didn't have any problems. Yeah. Because everybody up there was already moved up as far as they could go as it was. So... Stood there, watched uh, watched Boingo from from front row. After the show, we always knew that you could stay and stick around behind the Arcadia, and you could always meet 
the band members. Yeah. And I had met the the alto sax player whose name escapes me at this point because who really remembers the alto sax player's name for Oingo Boingo? Uh, nice guy though. Right. Nice guy. He had signed everything and he was he was cool. Elfman comes out and the rest of the band comes out. They've done this little meet and greet inside the venue. Mm-hmm. They're ushered out. They're surrounded by uh, security. They go to their van. I, being the smart person that I am, that's relative at this point, uh, I go, you know what? I'm going to run around to the other side of the van. There you go. There was no security blocking the other side of the van. Mm-hmm. So I had my two records, the first uh, the first EP with the cat on it, the Psychedelic nice. Cat EP, and uh, another another 12-inch or something like that. And I ran around the side of the van, came up, uh, completely unhindered, and I'm like, Danny, would you mind signing these? Nope, sorry, can't do it. Nope, sorry, can't do it. Nope, sorry, can't do it. I go, I was like, I was like, can I get a handshake at least? And he was, you know, he was like, sure, here you go. And then he jumps into the van. I look at Steve Bartek and I'm like, and he's like, nope, nope. And I was like, I was like, okay, can I get a handshake? And John Vatos, drummer, same thing. (laughs) And so I'm just like, and by this point, security has figured out that I have been outsmarted them. And they and I'm like no 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 you don't have to drag me I I'll walk away it's fine yeah, yeah it's not I, it's not a problem yeah it's not the, a problem the but, end know, game happened about thirty seconds before you came up to me exactly exactly ninety ninety, right? 90 yeah. dark at the end of the tunnel tour oh no, no they hung it up no. at ninety five didn't they ninety five yeah if you remember on the synaptic radio I played insanity from that Halloween ninety five yes. show which would have been the last Boingo Boingo show. And it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I hope uh, Randy's story doesn't deter from this, but or your enjoyment of it. But I have a track from same said show to represent Oingo Boingo playing the US Festival in 1983. Sweet. This is probably my favorite song by the band. If I had to pick one, this is probably my favorite. So here you go. This is Oingo Boingo with Who Do You Want to Be?
of the sea But you'd rather suffer by yourself In a pool of bliss of misery Yeah, I feel like a saint Without his clothes and the rosary in your hand Would you rather be crazy like that girl Like a stranger in a If you're still tuned in, I hope you actually enjoyed that track by Ongo Boingo, knowing what jerks they are, apparently. But, you know, if you could separate the art from the artist, uh, I think you would think that that track was most excellent. Great good, band. Good great, luck. Oh, yeah. Great I, performance. I, I, I liked them. Yeah. Logan is back here. We're alternating like I, 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 I did enjoy Randy's story, no yeah. matter. I mean, it, Randy's it, always got great stories. Well, and it's always it's always one of those fears about, do you want to meet the people that you like that much? Yeah. Because they... You're always in jeopardy of them being jerks. Yeah. It doesn't excuse it, that behavior. It doesn't. Even if you've just been signing for an hour, like apparently he might have, it's still, that's still, that's still bullshit. I, I, I've still been able to encounter people on f- first runs like that. Yeah. Um, there's a friend of mine that actually has a story, eh, maybe sort of similar, about Duran Duran. Okay. I'm not going to go Are into that. Pompous? that. Are you kidding? No, no I'm, <laughs> they don't I'm come just, across as pompous at all. I, I'm, I'm, I'm. That's that's for a whole other. <laughs> right. Like I said, they should have played us. I guess they. And were, and yeah. we 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 talked about that earlier. That's yeah. why I, I, I partially partially I mentioned that, and partially the 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 jerk story that Randy had. So. Yeah. And they, part of really doing uh, this first part of the Us Festival talks is. Uh, I didn't make actually a conscious effort to combine those two non-metal days into one show. I just felt like it might have been a stronger show by cutting it down to ten. Yeah. Uh, which leaves a few cuts that did hurt me. I actually am a pretty decent English beat fan, but the reason I think I'm cutting them off of this show, uh, they did play in '82 and '83, so I think that's actually important. They're one of the two bands, along with Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo did too. They yeah. played both years. But I gotta say, uh, since we're talking strictly, pretty much about '83 and yeah. the songs they played in that set, right? The stuff they were doing in '82, I think, was way stronger. Way stronger. And uh, I, I've heard both sets, and I just, I, I they were at the end of their rope. And uh, wait, we're, we're skipping English beat, is that right? Yeah. We're skipping okay. English All right. Beat, that's fine. So that's they fine. Were, they were, like I said, at the end of the. They, they were '82. They played '83. They were pretty much on the exit anyway. Yeah, '82 was much better, and '83 they really started to sound just like the band they would kind of become, General Public. Yeah. So the fact that they had well, lost a lot the, of their edge. The splits. Yeah. The splits from there. Yeah. I mean, you had one half that went to do General Public. You had the other half that would do Fine Young Cannibals. Yeah. So you know, you very, can already hear it. You can already hear it in their '83 performance. Yeah. So I'm I'm not a really a big fan of that part. Yeah. So I'm skipping that. Um, and not out of hate, we're skipping Flock of Seagulls because oh. uh, I, that one hurts Logan. I know, <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll we'll put it in at the end. It's fine. So I'm gonna play a little Space Age Love Song as the outro for it. it kind of coexisting with my metal years. I also liked a lot of different. I, I always liked a lot of different music. Yeah. And so and I you know 
I was a kid that watched MTV and 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 saw all the all, all the bands that were just paraded through, and Flock of Seagulls was one of them. I actually saw them years later. They weren't really that good, but gotcha, yeah. you know, it was eight dollars for me to go in. Understood. So. Uh, so we're moving on from those two. A uh, band that I, of course, will never skip and always like to play is a band called the Stray, Stray Cats. Cats. And just, they have been gigging for probably about, probably four years before they got the Us Festival gig, which is just on the cusp of them really getting noticed by radio and MTV. And yep. they're they're just kicking off their career, basically. That was and like their like the third or fourth record, yeah, wasn't they were, it? They were on their third record at I the mean, time. They put out, actually put out uh, stuff like in England only because that's the only place they could get arrested at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Stray Cats playing the US Festival. I mean, what else can be said? Brian right? Sitzer, Phantom, uh, Slim Jim Phantom, Slim Jim and Phantom, and then uh, Lee Rocker. Not a fan, Randy. Not a fan. Wow. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. He's not a fan. Well, before he throws him under the bus entirely, no, I'm going to play this. This is a really great live track by the Stray Cats. One of my favorite songs by them, which is why I do this show. Right. Let's play something just a little deep, but it's got that feel. You're going to love it even if you never heard it a day in your life. This is Fishnet Stockings by the Stray Cats. Take it away.
That was the Stray Cats with Fishnet Stockings, and I actually got that off of the live album Rumble and Brixton from their reunion tour, so go check it out if you're a fan. Randy is not a fan, but I'm not, not a fan. Gonna, I don't know why, but uh, that's his prerogative. just doesn't click with me. Okay. It, it never has from day one. There's something about Brian's, even Brian Setzer Orchestra, nothing. I'm just like, meh. And it's not like I don't like Rockabilly. I enjoy Rockabilly. I like some Gene Vincent. I love some... Some Reverend Horton so Heat, Eddie Cochran, and some Eddie. Sure, so you like Gene and Eddie, but you don't like the Stray Cats. I do not. I have never. And it could just. It could be. It could be. Maybe it's the production. I don't know. Something about the Stray Cats does not click with me. I hmm. do not. I just don't like them. I'm a. I'm befuddled, but at least at least you have the guts to say it. Hey, I'll so, tell you. I'll tell yeah, you. I, I know you. You've never. You never mix words. I've, I mean. Do you like Minute Work? Funny enough, I do. Oh, Minute nice. Work are actually one of those bands I can listen to any of their singles. Thank you all the time. Thank you. I'm the same I, way. I, now I have not. I've yeah. never gone deep. I, they I've have never three owned, records. Like, I've never owned Business <laughs> as Usual. I've never owned Cargo. But I mean, that's not like not owning. Never mind the Bollocks by the Sex Pistols. That's no. something that everybody should own, I would think. But yeah. the but the catalog it's of just Minute under Work, it. Just under it. Yeah, for me. For me, it's under. Just under. Um, if I think if you drank, I would say you were drunk. No, no, no. Those are check out those records. Uh, and actually, that's funny you say that. Uh, I'm sure they killed that day at the US Festival. But since you brought it up, and you should get those legacy reissues. And on one of them, actually has a live track from that particular era, which they definitely played this song that day. I can't imagine. Really? Uh, here you go. Check it out. So there's a preview. So you can get the reissue. This is who can it be now? Live by Minute Work.
There you go. That was live version of Who Can It Be Now? And yes, I did play the studio version, but that was last year for the late, great Greg Ham from Minute Work. But there you go. Live version of Who Can It Be Now? You can find that on the reissue of Business as Usual, which Randy needs to go out and get right away, as well as all of you. Explain Greg Ham real quick. Greg Ham was the saxophone player. Saxophones? <laughs> Uh, he was the saxophone. Saxophones. Flute guy. Flutes. Uh, like any any auxiliary. We can start a new one with flutes. Greg Ham. Yes. But there you go. Uh, we're going to talk about easily. Uh, easily. <laughs> at, a, at a festival where people got bombed out of their minds and still went up on stage. We're going to oh, talk about the, the most controversial band in the whole festival. The ha- Clash. Easily has to be the Clash. The Clash. Uh, a band that, you know, if you talk to the promoters of the S Festival. Not just the musicians, which you can... A lot of artistic jealousy amongst bands, regardless of what style they are. Whether it's popularity, hipsterdom, whatever you want to call it. There was definitely a major riff going on. There's a huge riff. Between the band and the people of The Clash and Van Halen. And that's been well documented, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. But... It's ah, good. It's, it's good. It's juicy. But here's the Very thing. Juicy. The promoters are definitely taking the side of... Uh, they're definitely on Team Van Halen at this point because the Clash show up, and let's just put this on the table right here. I know everybody in this room is a massive fan of the Clash. Yay. I'm pretty sure everybody that's listening is a decent enough fan of the Clash. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. They came out there, and before they even hit the stage, they're doing their press, and they're talking about... Well, they had demands. Yeah, they had massive demands, but one of them, they just kind of put it out there while they were doing interviews. You know, if they're going to give a million dollars to Van Halen, I think they should be giving a million dollars to some of these other charities that need it. You know, that was basically what they were saying. Which is that whole argument of, you know, oh, these sports players make too much money. Well, who's paying them? You know, it's their, it's their, they, they want to do this with that money. Then they have the right to do that. Twelve million dollars were lost. Yeah, there was a loss of twelve million. So Just saying. they're throwing money at everybody, including the Clash. So that's what the to be fair statement is. The Clash did make money playing this festival. They could have easily just they didn't. And, they didn't lose any of 
other money. They could have easily gone up in the press and said, you know what? You know what I'm saying? They could That's have easily fine. just gone up in the press and said, we're donating our, our, our share. And That's fine. I think... And if they had done that, they could be like, and I think maybe the promo- the promoters and maybe some of these other bands should do the same thing. They go, because you know, the, the Clash had good intentions. Yeah, but... They have good intentions for somebody that, that, that they thought were money bags. Yeah, but they were also gnarly, working class... Yeah. I will I will pee on both sides of the fence. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. will certainly. I'm right there with you. And that's that that's cool. Yeah. And uh, I can get down with that. The other big thing about the Clash is set at the US Festival is they were still part of the pun clashing with the promoters during the during even while they were on stage and to the point where the promoters think okay, the main set's over and it I can't. They can't tell whether or not they're actually going to do an encore, but supposedly they left the stage for a cool ten minutes at least, minimum. And Madonna does that. Yeah, she does. And then she also she doesn't even know what city she's in. But she's so. just starting at this point. Saw that happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So with Madonna, with the promoters, yeah. the, this guy said in the article I read yesterday he goes, "Well, it, it looked like they were going to go back out and do another uh, do a encore, and we pulled the plug on them." They were like, "Get off our stage! You, Leave. you got you got your money. Go out on stage." And one of the one of the guys said they wanted us to put some stuff up on the screen about you know, uh, Amnesty whatever. International. Amnesty. Or... Yeah, yeah, it was like an Amnesty International yeah. thing. Greenpeace. And the guy said, "I came this close to putting their paycheck up on the the jumbotron." Wow. So I mean, there was this there was some nastiness going on backstage. So basically, they saw they were going to go out and finally do an encore, and even though some of the, a lot of the crowd were like wanting it, and they said. Nope, turn around and walk away, get off our stage. Wow. And he goes, we got, he goes, we knew that they were pissed off and they wanted to fight. He goes, but at the end of the day, there were eight of them and there were 40 of us. And we said, get the hell out of our, off our stage. You got your money, leave. Later. Checks in the mail or checks right here, leave. You know? All right. So. What's your all, class song? All that being said. <laughs> yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to play one of my favorite live albums ever is The Clashes from Here to Eternity. It's a really, really good listen, and I actually like some of those performances better than the studio version. That's how you know it's a good live album. This is, being no exception, their version on here of Straight to Hell, which they were definitely promoting Combat Rock at the time, and I know because this was Mick Jones' last appearance with the band uh, as as a live performer. (laughs) But on this version of Straight to Hell, probably my favorite thing ever on a live record occurs during this song. And I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't heard it, which most of you probably have not heard it because live albums don't sell, especially anymore. But just wait till the tail end of the song. We're going to build up to it. There is a drunk guy that's audible in the audio and is singing completely out of tune. And there gets to a point where Joe Strummer cannot take it anymore, and you will hear it on this track. So here you go. This is The Clash, as combative as ever, with Straight to Hell.
a fiddle How's about a British jig and reel Speaking King's English in quotation Whose railhead towns fill up the steel mills run What a prose in the generation Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
immigrants, they wanna sing all night long. Oh, hey, could be anywhere. Most likely could be any front in any No man! No man, 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 Singing to you, bastards. Big summer never live around here. Straight to hell, boy. Go straight to hell, boy. Hell, boys. Hell, boy. All right, that was The Clash with Straight to Hell. Great live version there from the Here to Eternity live album, which I highly recommend. Great version of Complete Control on there as well. Oh, yeah. You know, that's my... Uh, seeing The Clash is my probably one of my highest levels of clout that I can give somebody. Really? I've got a couple of friends who have seen The Clash. I know them. I know them. I know people. Oh, you know people that have I know seen people. The Clash. Okay. I've, got, I've got some friends that, are, that, that saw The Clash. Okay. And, uh, they played pretty the much they, they've got. They? Uh, they probably did, yeah. but it would have been 83. Yeah, yeah. I would have been 13, and there's no way I yeah. could have gone and seen a show at 13. But I've got uh, – I, it's funny because I just say they've got more clout than you. Yeah, for sure. My buddy, my buddy Dale, he's got more clout than you. Why? Yeah. He saw The Clash. Yeah. He saw The Clash. My friend Tammy, she's got more clout than you because she saw yeah. – I'm starting, I'm starting to work with people that are, like, in their early 20s now, and it's pretty depressing. But at least I'm, like, I saw the Ramones, and they just can't even fathom right. that I am old enough to have seen the Ramones. Even though they stopped touring in, like, 96. That's, they were, they were shitting in their diapers when I saw the Ramones. So, it's weird. It makes me feel super old and depressed. But because you're old. Yeah. Sorry, Joey, you're old. Well, moving on, uh, uh, we're moving on to the rock day of Joey's Us Festival. Old. Yeah, how old are you, Randy? Okay. Um, I'm 43, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Logan? You reverse the numbers. That's how old I am. Yeah. What are you laughing so. at there, buddy? Yeah, you've got like six months ahead of me, so. Seven. All right. So rock day opens up, and on the side stage, it was like, where's the side stage? Is it is it another tent? Is they uh serving breakfast, and Los Lobos is playing on the side of the tent? I don't know, but... But apparently we're getting Los Lobos to open up Rock Day on some sort of side stage, which, you know, I, I like Los Lobos, by the way. But they played, and uh, I, I've ha- I have some Los Lobos, but I'm, we, we had to cut them off of this show. So maybe on a future Kiko is show. Kilroy. Has anybody ever seen Kilroy and Kiko in the same room? Or uh, that guy that Peter Gabriel sang about. Uh, Biko. Biko, Kilroy. I think that was a real guy. Come on, that was a decent enough reference. Don't even give me any shit about that. Uh, I don't know that. I don't know that Los Lobos uh, was able to empty the Cotton Bowl like Sticks did with Kilroy. Oh hell no! Yeah, that was. That's one of the <laughs> it was sticks, and they waited till midnight to start start playing. That's one of the biggest blunders in the history of rock festivals. Kilroy. Yeah, we're talking about blundering rock festivals. The, the Kilroy set at the Texas Jam is is so it's it it was 
It was disastrous enough. Yeah, something like that. It was disastrous enough that that was a big part of their behind the music yeah. special. I mean, going on after these big thousands of Texans trying to get away from the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, the the traffic jam was worse than the jam getting in. The the reverse swarm in too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Terrible. So yeah, Kiko, Kiko from. Uh, All right. We're not like I said. Los not, Lobos. I'm I'm a fan, but not playing Los Lobos. Uh, after that, the main opener that day is a guy I'm a big fan of, but you got lucky. I haven't been able to procure any early era stuff of his solo work, but the great little Steven also played that day. So, uh, and the Disciples of Soul. So great little Steven goes the out there and plays. That, I, I haven't found any footage of that. I'd like to see that. And I'm just now starting to get into his solo stuff. I'm massively into the stuff he's produced. Of course, I love his uh, all of his other pieces of media, like his radio station and uh, all that stuff. But uh, Berlin, uh, Berlin Rock was day. the third band on stage that day, technically. And uh, I gotta say, and this is maybe this is some of you being surprised at me. Uh, I haven't done a lot of new wave, quote unquote, on the show, but I'm I'm definitely a big fan. And Berlin is definitely up top there, pretty near the top of bands from that era that I'm a big fan of. I, I really like them a lot. Terry Nunn's one of the great singers uh, of her of her time period. And uh, you know, obviously, pretty easy on the eyes too. But uh, I saw I saw her live at the Bronco Bowl with Berlin uh, opening up for the Go Go's in 1999. It was a version of Berlin, not the original members, but it was a couple of them. And Terry was there. Uh, very nice. Yeah, very, very, very pretty in person. You know, like, and she went through the crowd at one point. So I got a, you know, I was walking there next to her. She's all of like four or five, maybe, <laughs> maybe. She's she's totally short like she might have been shorter than dio you know wow. or prince wow she's that short. that's short she's damn near a midget. natalie merchant's very short too oh yeah she's tiny yeah anyway yeah but uh berlin played and they were just just uh they were on the uh, upward incline some of these bands are on their decline but berlin was definitely on the up and up and they just put out pleasure victim arguably their best record. I say that's probably not even a contest, but maybe maybe there's some people out there that would say otherwise. But uh Pleasure Victim, great record, an essential eighties record, that's for that's for damn sure. I so, can go with that. Yeah. Have you seen them before? Yeah. Randy? Never saw Berlin. Actually wow. I, I wanna say, and don't quote me on this, I think they were supposed to play a show at Starplex in two thousand. It was one of those uh when we started really seeing a lot of the eighties revival type things. We went and saw the Psychedelic Furs and I want to say that Berlin was next and maybe Blondie or the B-52s. There was something it was one of those kind of bills. Right. There were two of them that came through that summer. Yeah, I've seen those. I'm probably shows. transposing a couple things because we only saw the Furs and right. we left. And it was actually, as much as I love the Furs, probably wasn't the best time that I've ever seen the Psychedelic Furs. And as a matter of fact, it was that particular day where I said, I think I'm going to stick with with the times that I've seen these bands up to reunions because they can't recreate fully what they're doing on the reunions as they did when they were an active artist. Yeah. Um, there you go. There's, there's a few exceptions to that rule, but for the there, most there part, are. You're, you're dead on. There are. Patty Smythe is ridiculous still now. You get the chance to go see her and her version of Scandal. She's got it going on still. If you can see the no. cult, the cult is, uh, they're actually still mind-blowing live. 
But uh, we're talking about Berlin. Yeah, Berlin. We are talking about and Berlin. And you actually uh, picked Sorry. the song that we're going to play on here, so I'd, I'd like for you to tell me why. Uh, and I like this song, don't get me wrong, but it's it's and it's one of their more famous singles, a song called Sex. Because I, 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 I'll tell you what, I think this is possibly one of the, regardless of the name, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the sexiest songs ever made. Yeah. Just period. Just listening to Terry Nunn sing this song is... I'll agree with you it's, on that. Oh, man, I tell you what. When we get to this portion of the show, whenever I'm listening, I'm probably going to have to stop the car or something, take a breath. Take five, as they take, say? Take five. Take five. five. <laughs> uh, for take three. Take one. <laughs> take one. Take one. Take one. She gets the li- to get to the little girl part, and I'm yeah. done. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm a dream divine. Yes, as a matter of fact. Yes, you are. <laughs> you are. You well, are. with that being said, I'm sure people that haven't heard this song are like, wow, what what can you possibly expect? Well, it's way more over the top than Love to Love You, Baby. Way beyond. This is Berlin mm-hmm. with sex. Would you say open parenthesis? I'm a close parenthesis. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. All right. Here you go. Have fun out there, guys. Sex.
intro. All right, that was Berlin, of course, led by Terry Nunn there with Sex Ima off of Pleasure Victim. I actually was like politicking for the extended dance mix version, but nine minutes and you probably would have been sore. So, <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm just starting to warm up here. We're about an hour and change in. Oh, God. So, would like to have seen that set, and I know a set that you definitely would have liked to have been there for, Logan, uh, is a... Uh, uh, let, me, let me just uh, proceed. After Quarter Flash <laughs> took the stage and left. Name Quarter Flash song. Besides Heart in My Heart? Uh, can't, do yeah. can't do it. So we're not playing Quarter Flash. I'll go in. I'd, I'll, I'd rather I'll, play Night Shift I'll, by Quarter Flash, actually, because oh. I love that movie. Well, and we talked about that, because I had yeah. no idea. They apparently did the... Uh, the theme song. Uh, theme song from the film... Night Shift. One my, one of, yeah, Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler. Yes, one of my favorite comedies of all time. And 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 actually, Joey told me that uh, Hal David and Burt Bacharach did the theme. Song. They, they did the they same the, the the theme song. Like they wrote it or yeah. whatever. And they also wrote. Well, I saw Burt Bacharach let's, too. Let's talk oh, a little Night Shift. <laughs> so you're keeping me from actually talking about you two on my show, which I would never do that if you weren't sitting here right now, Logan. Oh man. We're okay. going to talk about a, 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 a young upis. We're talking about 1983 band. U2. Yes. Okay. Yes, this is. Pre- they had just released the War album. Mm-hmm. What hadn't even put out Unforgettable Fire yet. No, no, no. That was that wasn't until like. Uh, See, they didn't exist to me before they even put that out. So, I didn't know anything about them until Unforgettable Fire. So I know nothing of them. Well, I mean, this uh, time. I, I, honestly, I don't think the world really knew about them. I mean, even though I think. Beyond, whenever they, when, like whenever, whenever, whenever Under a Blood Red Sky was being released, and MTV put them on rotation for playing Sunday Bloody Sunday, mm-hmm. or New Year's Day or something like that. Yeah, it was that they were still a very college radio band. So I asked you to pick a song that you two actually played that day at the U.S. Festival, and, and I, also be a song that we haven't heard a billion times, and you picked a song called... Well, I, I had picked Electric Company, just looking at the set list. I didn't get to see the whole set. I mean, you're still talking about a band that had not really been in, in rotation. Yeah. They were about to put out Under Blood Red Sky probably just a few months later than that. Yeah. And... Electric Company was on that, or Electrico, right? As a co dot, co dot. Yeah. So maybe so they wouldn't get sued by PBS, I guess, or something. I don't know. I don't know. There's a million different things that either I or Randy could possibly say about this man. I'm sure. Yeah. You could you, you could have a three hour, four hour show. Have you seen any of the YouTube footage from the US Festival? Um, very little. I, I I've seen very little. Uh. Randy looks like he's seen quite a bit. So, so we'll hand it over. Classic. We'll hand so, it over to I mean, Randy I, I honestly was ready for Randy to talk about this a lot more. Well, well, well he's going to get to it. We'll, and he we're will play the song. He will. Now. It's a great era for the guys. They were still young. They were probably what twenty, twenty one, twenty two, if even that. You're still talking about, you know, three or four years away before they really make the, the the impact yeah. that they would on on a global scale yeah. in an international scale yeah. and once they did it was like and once they did that, that once they it, started playing stadium it has not they haven't been back i mean they literally it has if, not been the same for them since yeah so uh so 
This and is going to be interesting. This is the Rock Strikes 10 debut of you two. <laughs> hey, and hey! Logan promises Logan promises me that he picked a good one that you will all enjoy, including me. So without further ado, off of the Under Blood Red Sky performance, it's a live version from Under Blood Red Sky. This is The Electric Company. <laughs>
right, and uh, I was actually corrected there. That was you two with Electric Co. Electric Co. Thank you. Uh, yeah, yes. Sorry about that, Randy. I did not mean to. It's fine. It's fine. I'm very crude on the on the U2. Well, you know, I mean, not owning the Unforgettable Fire is like not owning Nevermind the Bollocks by the Sex Pistols. Wow. So this has been turned around on me now. Uh, you yeah. can see I actually have, there's nothing in, in my collection, actually. Oh. See, and I... Uh, hold! <sighs> that hurts, because listen to this. Listen to me, Joey. I know you're not a fan, but for those of us that, that do know, that are, well, I'll just call us believers, we know that, and, and the way that I believe, the way, and the things that I believe in, God put four people on the earth to make the perfect music. And that perfect music has been put into <laughs> Bono, The Edge, Adam Clayton, and Larry Mullen. They'll always, you'll it always will, pause. It will never, it will when it never, gets past the first two guys, you guys always pause. It will it's never, ever... <laughs> it'll never... That, that thought and sentiment will never falter for me. That includes the 90s output, which, hey, let them have some fun. Are you a pop having defender? having a good time. I'm not, a, I'm not necessarily a pop defender, but there's some good stuff on Logan pop. Logan is. He's party to himself. Hey, you know, uh, it, it's funny because we, we, we talk about... You can't say that they were a dud then because they were still selling out stadiums then. That's the other exactly, thing. Exactly. With yeah. Rage Against the Machine. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. Rage Against the Machine. I actually... <laughs> I've enjoyed some U2 songs. I've just never dived in, you know. And I don't... I understand. To hey, be fair... To be fair, I don't think I ever will, but I'm willing to give a couple of records a chance. So you're saying Unforgettable Fire, Randy. Exactly. I also understand the concept of so many bands, so little, so little time. There's exactly. so many, so yes, much music yeah. that you can get into. Y- y'all, y'all both mentioned uh, at, at both at the US Festival and at Live Aid, uh, Bono going out and, and grabbing a girl to dance with on stage. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't care. I've seen people gripe and say, oh, it's the most calculated thing in the world. He calculated this whole thing out. You know what? Great. He did it. If he calculated it, so what? They, uh, there's a, an entire portion of the book uh, outside its America where they talk about U2 touring and they talk about U2 getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and Bono, is a, he, he liked the audience participation. He liked to get down it into the audience and yeah. not jump into the audience. He would dislocate shoulders and do all sorts of stuff. As a matter of fact, when I saw him at Texas Stadium, I had seats that were on. Uh, they had this catwalk that came out to the side stage, and they came out and did a couple of acoustic songs. Well, I happened to be lucky enough to be right where Mr. Vox, Bono Vox, came out onto the like right down on me. Okay. He came down. I, being great fanboy that I am, I hooked both of my hands into his boot <laughs> because I was taking that boot. And I'm going to tell you what, that boot is on really tight. It's not coming off. So they finally pulled him in. But regardless, you know, they, if, it's, if it's calculated or not, the effect is exactly what it's supposed to be. We, you know, as they got bigger and bigger and bigger, he couldn't necessarily go out as as easily into the crowd, and and do this. So, yeah. they do this at the US Festival. Also, uh, at the US Festival, he climbs, he scales the scaffolding to go up to the top, 
with the white flag, with the war surrender flag, and he waves it up at the top. And, you know, that's who else on that bill was doing that? Right. right. We've seen, you know, we've, we've seen other acts, you know, running around with their mic stand and rubbing it on their behind and, yeah. and stuff. And, or, or if you go back and watch, if you watch Live Aid, especially the, the London portion of Live Aid, yeah. up until the time that U2 has gone on, and even after that, those performances are cold. Mm-hmm. They are cold. You've got Ultravox out there. Cold. Yeah, I like me some Vienna, though. Hey, I do too. I love, I love it. <laughs> but you know, Paul Young comes out right. cold. Boomtown yeah. Rats are cold. Yeah. U2 comes out there, and although they're supposed to do three songs, they they get Sunday Bloody Sunday out of the way. Mm-hmm. They then go on to Bad, which ends up being one of the two definitive versions of Bad. The other being on Wide Awake in America. Live Aid, if it's if it is calculated, it was the most calculated, perfect thing to have done because on a worldwide audience, on a worldwide stage where they have watched nobody move, everybody has stood there and played their songs, and you know even even down to to David Gilmore playing with Roxy Music on that day, you know, nobody, there's no crowd warmth, no interaction, no nothing. Here comes yeah. here come these four guys from Ireland who came in hot on the heels of what I consider the greatest album ever made, which is The Unforgettable Fire. It is perfect. It is absolutely perfect. There's not a flaw on it at all. They come in, worldwide stage. We bring the girl up. The world sees this and goes, I'm buying that record. Right. And America bought that record, and the world bought that record. Yeah. And I certainly got it for, for Christmas that year, yeah. and that started the whole thing. But I'm sorry, I've, I've talked more about Live Aid than I have the Us Festival. The Us Festival. But um, uh, let's, let's sober it back a couple of years before Live Aid, and U2 gets off stage, and Missing Persons is up next. <laughs> they actually technically opened for... How do you, how do you, follow, from, how do they, you follow that? Tough. But That's I gotta say, I watched Missing Persons set today on YouTube in preparation for the show. They sounded damn good. Uh, of course, Terry sure. Bozio is a show unto himself. Uh, Warren Cucurillo is out there playing a toaster for a guitar or something to that effect. It was pretty funny. Uh, but yeah. they sounded great. They put black tarp over all of their uh, keyboards and drum sets because they had these like silver art pieces on stage. So I guess, yeah, very new wave. Very artsy. But they sounded cool, man, and you know, they're definitely a sign of the times. Missing Persons is a snapshot of the 80s, early 80s especially. Absolutely. And uh, I am I like them, man. I mean, being a part of the Zappa alum doesn't hurt them because actually you go back and watch them, it's like, yeah, they can play. Well, there's a reason for that. Right. They well, came. Zappa put them together. Yeah. He was like, I just learned kids. that the other day. So Did you really? I'm just happy to be able to wow. spout off that a, little bit That's of cool, man. Yeah, because I need to... I, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm your Zappa conduit actually I found out so probably uh, so I'm gonna get I'm gonna get him started on that basically they they just recorded uh, Joe's Garage and Terry and Warren are touring with them Dale did a lot of good girl vocals on Joe's Garage and basically he just kind of stopped down one day and was like you all get along you know Dale and Terry are pretty much dating if not getting married at this exact time they're in the band together with Zappa he goes. You kids, you're young, you're good-looking, go start a new wave band and make a million dollars. And they did, and they did. 
and that's missing persons in a nutshell. There you have it. Yeah, at least they, at least a quarter of that in one they day. They made at least a quarter mil in a day. So combine that with all the other touring and record sales, they probably did pull about a mil. Dude, probably. If Tommy Stinson made a million dollars in the replacements, yeah. then they made a million. Yeah, he did. He lost it all in the divorce. That's what he said. Probably yeah. drank a lot of it too. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> it's why the replacements weren't on the US Festival. So, dude, they couldn't have found the US Festival. <laughs> they couldn't. Have, they're, <laughs> they're actually in the back of the crowd. They're pushing their van. They're pushing their van up the mudslide in the back California? of the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Just may I just go that way, man. I'm pointing towards California. Yeah, yeah. you can't tell, oh. listeners. If they stopped at the bar, that means they didn't even get out of Minnesota. <laughs> Uh, Randy, are you enough of a uh, Missing Persons fan to name uh, more than one song by them? Which, of course, you know the one song is Destination Unknown. But do you know enough? I was going to say words. Words is a group. There we go. Yeah, see? There we go. So you know more than most, which you always tend to, uh, Logan. Walking in L.A. Walking in L.A. Walking in L.A. Yeah, they have the three big singles just like Berlin did. I mean, not counting counting the one. Take my breath away. I don't count. That's... I'm going to play the song that Logan mentioned just now, and it's off of the reissue of Rhyme and Reason. So here you go. Here's a live version of Missing Persons from 1981, actually, doing Walking in L.A. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful rendition.
Alright, there you go. That was Missing Persons with a live version of Walking in L.A. Like I said, you can find that on the Rem and Reason reissue. They definitely played it that day. And if only... Well, it's, it wasn't quite L.A. It was San Bernardino, but apparently there was a hitchhiker death tied into the, to the festival. Twelve deaths. Well, there were twelve deaths on site, but apparently there was also a, a trial. Two! Of, sorry, of, sorry. Two, two. Twelve million. Altamont? Altamont didn't even have twelve deaths. <laughs> The freaking pyramids! <laughs> what is this, Altamont? at the pyramid buildings, Logan. That's what you're thinking of. Okay. Yeah, you're right. All right. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, uh, missing persons after you uh, two opened for him. <laughs> so, like, Knife in, salt. Oh, here's another Here's another sign of the times, is that uh, about three or four songs in, Dale was like, I want to take a picture of you guys <laughs> in the crowd. Because there's like you know minimum. Sure, that was a Motley Crue. Yeah, well, they did that too. Actually, they had a they had one of those professional cameras. Right. Well, Dale goes out with a Polaroid camera, and she takes like two pictures. One she throws out into the crowd, and then one she keeps for herself. Oh, I wonder who got that one. I don't know, but uh, it would show up on eBay. It probably got stepped on by like one of the front, you know, you know, shirts or whatever event staff guys. Shirts. Yeah, shirts. They're spraying people with hoses constantly. By the way, when you watch the footage. Yeah. It's like Texas Jam. I was yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. Because I, th- I was thinking it was like the California response to Texas Jam, which had been yeah. kind of going on here. Yeah, since the 70s. Since the 70s. Yeah. 78. 78, man. 78, man, with Aerosmith, Texas Jam. I was no, looking totally. at the old uh, Texas Jam list. 78, man. Okay, so after Missing Persons, another strong female leader of the band, and for a completely different reason. I'm talking like polar opposite of Dale Bozio. Chrissy Hine. Completely different. Pretenders. But I equally love them just because of what they are and what they represent on both sides of the fence. They do it well. Chrissy, a, a, a rock icon, you know, great performer, uh, good good writer. I mean, there's nothing about her that really sucks. No. She is in the Rock and Roll Hall yeah. of Fame. Thank you, Randy. Oh, good point, Randy. Randy is the main staunch defender of the Hall wow. of Fame in this room, by the way. Uh, I'm kind of a... Never mind. Yeah, you're, you're a teetotaler. I... But, uh, I'm back and forth. <laughs> and, uh, so, like I said, you know, the, Chrissy Hind. She, even from day one, it didn't seem like she was going to play the game the way that they wanted her to. Oh, she didn't. And there's plenty of other examples. You, my favorite She still example, doesn't. She still doesn't. My favorite example of this, and this is probably one of the few times I actually get a little quasi-political on the show, Uh-oh. is that, you know, uh, a now-famous song of theirs, Ohio. Uh, is right. as the theme song or a uh, bumper music mainly for the Rush that Limbaugh show. Don't 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 Yeah. Um just makes me think of making fun of him on Howard Stern now when I hear it also. But the, the that song, of course it gets played enough on that show to where she's made a ton of money just Tons off of Rush money. Limbaugh. Right. But publicly what she does and has as you know, proven all the money she gets specifically from, from that. that show, she donates back to causes he absolutely can't stand. Yeah, and that and and you know what? I support that. Yeah, that's it's great. I support that completely. And, I mean, because he could have just stopped on, using on, it. And so, people, so and, and yeah. what Chrissy's doing is taking what could be a bad situation, mm-hmm. 
and then turning it over into something that that her antithesis, her nemesis of sorts, yes, exactly. completely despises. Oh, absolutely, her and nemesis. hey, you know what? Yeah. I'm either you know I'm yeah. I'm, I'm cool with either position. Right. You know, whether it's D. Snyder or Chrissy Hind or whatever, but yeah. but her doing that with that back to Ohio baseline yeah. is great. Yeah. Being and, able to do that because and the Clash could have just just like the Clash could have donated all their Rust Festival money. Chrissy and just Hine think, donates all of her Rush Limbaugh money. And just think, they could have donated their one million dollars to something <laughs> that they thought was cool. Right, but yeah. Hey, plane tickets neither, are expensive. That's you know? neither here nor there. So. But uh, I found this track on the Learning to Crawl reissue, and I'm so glad I did because it's from the US Festival, and Chrissy dedicates it to all the acts at the US Festival, and it's a cover of Barrett Strong's Money. Nothing that's what I want. It. There you go.
doesn't buy everything. <laughs> but what it don't buy? That was the Pretenders with a cover of Money. That's what I want. And uh, I, you see, once again, being kind of antagonistic, a little 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 jab in the elbow by Chrissy. But she's punk rock. She is super she's fun. very punk rock. Yeah. She even married a kink at one point. She was married to uh, she was married to Ray Davies for a while. Yeah. And then she was married to Jim Carrey for a while. Yeah, from Simple Minds. Yeah. That's that's that, on the on the surface they seem very yin yang, but uh, I'm just speculating. Uh, but yeah, there you go. You know what? Pretending. Jim Carrey probably would rather kick your teeth down your throat than than look at you. Really? I don't know. Just Scottish. Sure. He's just Scottish. Make some alcohol references too. Uh, yeah, I mean it's probably yeah. like you know, he has one beer. I don't know. I met him once. He was really nice. Okay. <laughs> I did. I I, I don't cool. know why I continue to have all of these. I met people stories. So he wasn't alive and kicking your teeth in. It's true. He was not. He was not. But it was at the Bronco Bowl. Yeah, it was you. at the Bronco Bowl. Just get all my old jokes out. Alright, so the headline band of Rock Day at the US Festival 83 uh, was uh, this this rather obscure fellow who he was so obscure in America he hadn't played there in five years up until that night. A guy wow. by the name of David that. Bowie. I like David Bowie. We yeah. only saw it yeah. A, uh, we were watching a YouTube clip of Entertainment Tonight, and uh, the best part about it was they were like making his return to the U.S. stage for the first time in five years. And the lady that's on-site. doing the on-site reporting, there's a bonfire like ten feet behind her, and I'm like, look behind you. You're so, going to get burned. So if I'm telling you, if you go look up oh, David Bowie Us Festival on YouTube, that's the first clip you come across. It's I thought that was pretty funny. I touched Bowie once. Wow. Can I touch you for touching Bowie? It's right there. There, there we go. Right there. Exactly. It's Greg Radio. Was. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Because it was on the, it was wonderfully on the Tin Machine Tour. So oh. you know that I was getting the best music I could hear. On, hey, I like the first Tin Machine record. I like the first Tin Machine single. And the thing was, I'm going to go see, I'm going to get to see David Bowie at the Bronco At a Bowl, theater, yeah. And I continue gotcha. to shill the Bronco Bowl, but... Uh, <laughs> So I, I, I go, we end up getting, like, front row tickets. It's probably the only time I've ever heckled a band. What? Which was a band called The Neighborhoods. Oh, okay. You they, were, the they, were, uh, they were opening, and I heckled them so much that the guitarist actually, like, yelled at me. 
They were terrible. Sing were a terrible. tune, you all bastard. Of you, all of you people, if you're out Who's there. Who's this guy up front singing, I am Henry the Eighth. I am. <laughs> if you're out there, members of the neighborhoods, I still hate you. And I will still <laughs> heckle you. I mean, just mad enough. He, like, threw oh, a pick at oh, me and oh. yelled at me. And... Na- neighborhoods threat? Yeah. Bowie from the Tonight Record? Neighborhood mm. threat? Okay. So, anyway, very front row. <laughs> Point, Bowie yeah. leans down. I'm able to grab a hold of his hand. But I'll tell you this. Looking at Bowie from, like, a foot and a half away, oh. his eyes, it's about the freakiest thing that you can imagine. But it's almost <laughs> like the time that I met Joey Ramone. Oh. Out behind the Arcadia okay, stop, Theater. Stop, 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 just and stop. <laughs> you could, I could see it behind his sunglasses, and there's a reason why that guy wore sunglasses, because it, it, these were the most yeah. bloodshot yellow things I've ever seen. Yeah. It was like he had jaundice. I, I believe that, yes. Yeah, it was yeah, terrible. Yeah, do you want some money? You gotta, that's, that's, that's worth five bucks right there. Oh, sweet. Uh-oh. <laughs> so while, while Logan buys a beer from Randy, we're going to so. play some David Bowie. And we're going to play some live David Bowie, and I have no idea what I'm playing because I got so far behind on this show that I, I have no clue. I'm going to try to find something from the Let's Dance era because that's what he's pimping at the time. So hopefully that's what you're going to hear now. It's yeah. David Bowie, so how bad could it be? Yeah, unless, it's, unless it's from those two records I mentioned. But uh, you're going to hear some good David Bowie here. So enjoy. No tin machine. Jump no, to say. Under the gun. No tin machine. I like Under the God, yeah. It's a great song. Under the God, fantastic. All right. I digress. Night 
Alright everybody, that was David Bowie with Something Live. I hope you enjoyed that track, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, probably the most train wreck episode in the history of Rock Strikes 10, but hey, I had fun, and that's really what counts. So thank you very much everybody out there that's listening, and you can continue to do so at cnjradio.com, home of the Wrestling House Show and the Synaptic, of course, which includes and hosted by the great Randy Brown, who guested here on the show today. Uh, Logan's got something coming up on the cnjradio.com network, possibly. Yes, I, I'm not going to say what it is yet, but I'm just going to tease that, if that's okay if I do that. Yeah, 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 okay. So yeah, stay on cnjradio.com. Big things doing for the present and future. Go on iTunes, leave a review, use all the links, Facebook, Twitter, all that jazz. Thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Tune in for part two coming up very shortly after this. We're going to talk about, yes, of course, the reason the Us Festival really is so famous, Heavy Metal Day. And I'm going to do that with Logan. So it's going to be a blast. See you on the next one. Have fun.